Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and today I am so excited to be speaking with Lauren Lover, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet. It's so lovely to talk with you all the way from New York. Here I am in, in London. So let's go right back to the beginning. Tell us about how, how old you were when you started dancing and why did you start dancing in the first place? So I started around the age of 10. Um, and I started because my cousin danced. I wanted, I wanted to be like her. I idolized her a lot. And my aunt owned a dance store in California. And so I was dancing around the store one day. I would hang out with my cousins there um, and play. And there, this woman, this amazing woman saw my feet. I had my foot up on a ballet bar and she said, you have the body for dance. You have the feet for dance. Do you dance? And I told her that um, I didn't, that my parents couldn't afford the classes. And she said, well, I'm a dance studio owner. I can pay for it for a week and see if you like it or you take to it. And so I got my aunt and I worked in the store and I got my dance clothes and I was taking ballet almost the next day. Um, so it was very exciting and abrupt. It happened really fast. Um, I loved it immediately. And that week turned into a month and then a year of free classes. But, so you didn't dream like many young girls do to be a ballet dancer and as you say it came on really quickly as this wonderful person came in into your life how did that change things for you when you were when you were so so young in terms of you know changing your trajectory um i i guess i didn't really think about my future much <laughs> at that age i wasn't really thinking about what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to live in New York City. Um, and I knew I loved dance a lot, but I didn't know that dance was what I wanted to do. And I feel like because ballet was my first class, I never went to school. I was homeschooled my whole life. So I feel like because dance was my first exposure into a class situation where I had a teacher and other students and I wanted to do well, I. I took to it that way, and I liked the the perfectionist um, element. Um, I also loved the movement. I feel like I loved moving. I had a lot of energy. I've always had so much energy my whole life, so I felt like that was a really good outlet for me. And I was very introverted and shy, so I didn't have to really say anything. I didn't have to speak up ever, and I could still have so much fun, and I could get all of my emotions out and and practice this perfectionist um, gene that I had in me and I it was just kind of a really really wonderful fit for my personality and it must have been very different coming from a homeschool environment and suddenly finding yourself in as you say a very structured and uh, you took to it quite seriously a very serious ballet environment what was that like for you um it was it was a shock um, at first. I wasn't around kids very often. I just had my family um, and the neighborhood kids around. So that was a huge transition, um, but not a bad one. I mean, I think I think I was hungry for something like that. I always wanted to go to school. Um, I didn't always get along with the other girls right away because I was um, in an advanced class early on and I didn't, I was definitely the furthest behind, but also rising fast. Um, and that wasn't popular with the kids that had been there since they were three. Um, so I cried a little bit and I wanted to quit sometimes, but my mom um, always willingly encouraged it. So I had to be rebellious and I said, no, <laughs> I'd cry, I'd tell her the girls were mean or, the class was hard or I was sore and I'd never felt soreness before. And my mom would say, oh, you can quit. Let's just quit. And that was the perfect thing she could have said because I would be like, no. <laughs> Almost reverse, I, some re reverse psychology on you. Exactly. 
Sounds like your mum knew exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah, I'm rebellious that way. Um, I always tell my friends, you know, tell me that I can't do it and then I'll do it. <laughs> but if you encourage me that I'm, I'm over. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I always had that earnest um, climb the mountain um, mentality. And that mentality and your sort of internal drive um, landed you a, a place for the American Ballet School. Mm -hmm. So tell us about moving to the Big Apple and joining this prestigious company. What was your time there like? It was, it was so fun and scary at the same time. I was 13 when I first went away from home. Um, it was five weeks long. I hadn't been away from my family for more than a day. and that was terrifying <laughs> in a lot of ways, but I, I took to it immediately. I loved it there. They asked me to stay when I was 13 after that summer program. Um, and my parents and I both thought, oh, for a little bit longer, like stay for a few more weeks. <laughs> we didn't really know um, that there was su such a thing as moving away from home permanently to go to school, to dance, like it was so foreign to us. And, um, yeah, my parents said no <laughs> at 13. It's a little young. Um, but I worked really hard the following year, and um, I was always a responsible kid, but I, I stayed extra responsible. I wanted my parents to know they could trust me because I really did, um, really did want to go uh, to the School of American Ballet year-round. I saw videos of it, and... It was a dream, so I, I really wanted it realized. And what was it like moving? You ended up boarding at the American Ballet School. Mm -hmm. You're training full time. How did how did you how did you deal with that? I mean, that must have been quite an intense experience for you at such a young was, age. Mm, the there were a lot of things. Um, that were big about it. Um, one being just being around other dancers that wanted to dance professionally as badly as I did. My local studios, I think I was the only one that really wanted to make it my life or my job. Uh, in New York, everybody did. And there was an intensity in the class. Everyone was good. I think everyone was better than me coming from my eyes. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, it had this... Uh, I don't know, this um, new focus in the class that, I, that was at first very jarring and then I started to learn to love it and, and almost, and I need it. Even now I need that, um, I need to feel like I'm being pushed uh, by the, the dancers around me. I need to feel challenged, like I'm growing or I'm, I'm reaching towards something. Um, so that was a big transition. All of the classes were on point. I'd never experienced that before. Um, my feet hurt a lot. Um, those first months, I was going through so many punches. I had to pay for those myself. Um, and and, how, and how, how did you, as a young student, have it, having to uh, come up with, you know, buying new point shoes all the time? I, by did odd jobs. Tell us, tell us about these odd jobs <laughs> so we can imagine Lauren Lovett. <laughs> the life of Lauren Lovett. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would do teacher assisting um, where I would help levels one and two. I'd fix their feet and assist the teacher. If kids were being bad, I could calm them down, just have eyes in the room, um, demonstrate combinations. I did that. I did hall monitoring. Um, another thing where you keep kids quiet mostly uh babysitting i did a lot of babysitting i'm good with kids <laughs> um i did something called a community development assistant and um it's sort of a bridge between the ras and the students it's a student ra position there are only four um you come up with community events and programs you get kids to attend fun Fridays. <laughs> it sounds actually really exciting actually yeah. and quite a, a great experience I could imagine. It was, um, it was good because I had to interview for it. Um, I had to write um, a whole thing down of why I wanted the job and why I deserved it and I had to learn how to speak up 
which um, and up until that point, I wasn't terribly good at. <laughs> I just, I definitely lean more toward the introverted um, type, personality type. So that was really good for me. I had to um, speak up and create these events and then make them fun for people and exciting. And I, I ended up having a blast. I loved it. Um, I loved the brainstorming elements. I would come up with ideas and bounce them off people, see if they were good. Then you had to make your own signs. And it was a huge part of my education. I think I really needed that um, interaction with um, other kids. And then also in a leadership position, it helped me later on. So you've been, you spent um, a couple of years at um, the ballet school, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was there four years, so the end of my high school um, schooling, yeah. And tell us about, um, you come to the end of your, your time in the school, mm-hmm. what were your options then? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a difficult year for me, my last year in the school, because I, I'd reached the highest level you could be, level D the advanced division and I finished. I I was a lead in the end of year show called Workshop and I didn't get a job with the New York City Ballet and and five, no, six other girls in my class got chosen, um, which felt like failure to me because I'd worked really hard for that. Um, And I didn't audition for any companies that year. So I felt like I was at this place where I was going to go back to school and repeat a level with all the younger kids that felt like, um, that felt disappointing. And I wasn't going to a summer program that had a major company attached. So I was getting training, but, um, as far as career, I didn't, I couldn't see it where I would end up or if I would be a ballerina. Um, but I, I went to Chautauqua summer program in upstate New York for seven weeks and I choreographed to two pas de deux there and they were um, shown on the main stage in front of a real audience and I had live music. I had to collaborate with musicians and um, think about costumes and, and that was very, in hindsight, very, very valuable for me. Um, and perhaps a, an experience you may not have gotten quite so soon if you had gone straight into as an apprentice or straight into the core. I wouldn't have. And if I had gotten my apprenticeship, I would have stayed in New York and gone to the School of American Ballet for the summer. And I wouldn't have had the performance experience either because since I started a little bit later, I was 10, 11-ish. Yeah. And at the School of American Ballet, you don't perform a lot. I really only had three years of um, getting used to the stage. And that is a huge part of the job. <laughs> it's not just class and rehearsal that I felt very comfortable in. It's being in front of people. And as an introverted personality, I would always freeze on stage. So um, it was very good for me to go to Chautauqua. We had a real amphitheater. I did um, Tarantella. I did the lead in Western Symphony. I danced all the time, um, every couple of weeks in front of people, and, and I learned how to perform. Um, not always successfully, but it was still experience. <laughs> and, um, it's interesting yeah. that um, there, there you were, I guess, on the, um, at a point in your career where you would have hoped to have become uh, an apprentice and then find yourself in a different situation which as you say in hindsight has been an amazing experience for you and um, it sounds like you've learned a lot through that experience but it must have been quite difficult to hear that other dancers in your class had been given company positions and but you hadn't and it's sort of it's quite hard to even for me to hear and I know lots of people will be listening and thinking to hear that you may have considered giving up at one stage is is quite startling, really. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, um, yeah, it's discouraging in the moment because you can't yeah. see the future. Um, 
and you don't know how events are lining up. You don't know where you're going. So for me, it just, the only thing I could see in front of me was, um, no, (laughs) the word no, (laughs) um, or not yet or not good enough, um, or weak. And, um, I had those words in my mind often and I felt like, um, the pressure was getting higher and I was, um, burning out a little bit. I felt, um, I almost did give up. I remember I called my dad, um, two weeks, I think it was maybe not even two weeks before I got my, ended up getting my apprenticeship with the New York city ballet, asking him to give up (laughs) being like, dad, I don't think I'm going to do this. I, I don't feel like I have a future in this field. Maybe I'll move back home and um, do something else. I'm smart. I was like, I'm smart. I can do anything. I can, um, maybe ballet isn't, isn't the one, um, for me, I didn't feel very happy. Um, and then right before Halloween, I, I got my apprentice contract and it happens so fast. Um, they tell you at night or in the evening and then you you start rehearsal the next day. Goodness. So I was told around six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night. And wow. then the next day I had rehearsal for the Nutcracker with the New York City Ballet. And the, you just... So no real time to digest this nope. <laughs> life-changing <laughs> event at all. You know, something which you had aspired to, but it was out of your reach at that point. And here it is, it lands on you and you have to start. That's incredible. Exactly. And you just go and, um, yeah, you, then you go into survival mode and you just do it somehow. <laughs> sink or swim. Um, so the very next day I was in company class and I danced Spanish coffee. Um, and then in the nutcracker or Spanish hot chocolate or whatever it's called. I did that. And, um, yeah, I, it was history, the rest. Um, so that was a huge transition as well. And I didn't apprentice years hard. You don't feel, um, like you're a part of the company. You feel like everybody's watching you all the time. Class is huge. You're used to maybe 25 students in a class and then you go into a setting of a hundred people and it's, uh, it's very different. You feel um, claustrophobic, like there are people around everywhere. You don't know if you can go in the combination or where you should stand at bar. Um, You feel like you're in everyone's way. Um, it's, it's a lot at first. And then, um, I know my whole apprentice year, most of it, I had a head on me <laughs> of some kind covering my face. So I was a monster. I was a giant fly creature in sleeping beauty. I was a hound dog, dog face. Um, Every kind of mask you can wear. So cute. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably good because I had braces at the time. Oh, just Uh, to add to it. (laughs) Just to add to all that beauty. (laughs) But then then you you were um, given a position within the core. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, the core is often often described as you know the backbone of a ballet company, you know the hard hardest sort of working element um, and mm-hmm. quite tough. How did you find it? Oh, I found it um, very freeing. I felt like as an apprentice, I couldn't dance everything I wanted to because they they limit how much you can do to protect the dancer so they don't get paid a very small amount for a ton of work. So um, the union says you can only dance so many ballets and the company keeps track of that and they don't put you in ballets because they can't pay you. So they don't. Um, But when you're in the core, you can do anything. And I don't, maybe I just have a crazy amount of energy. I don't know, but I loved it. I, I couldn't wait for the schedule. I would look at it and I hoped I had the entire day of rehearsal. Um, and I wanted to be in every ballet for the show. And I don't know, maybe it's just like the curse of the young. I just, I loved it. Um, I took to it right away. I think I didn't feel like there was any part too small. 
I um, danced everything as full out as you can dance it. They, I wasn't good at staying in line. Oh, really? <laughs> I was not. I think a lot of my um, coworkers were very frustrated with me because I was so involved in the emotional elements of dancing. Um, that, you know, some, I was getting my choreography wrong often. I was shortened in the front, so I was the leader of the line. And if I was just freely dancing as I felt, the rest of the line, you know, suffered. So perhaps, perhaps that's why you were promoted, promoted. to soloists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, she's making a lot of mistakes and she's dancing with a full um, spirit. So let's put her somewhere else. I, I was thinking more of this uh, wonderfully dramatic emotion and free, you know, loveliness. Yes. <laughs> but tell us about, tell us about life as, as a soloist and what it felt like to, to, to get that promotion. It felt even more free. It felt like... That was my favorite promotion um, because mm. of the way it was given to me. I, I loved that meeting with my boss. What was that um, meeting like? Tell us about that. Um, he just, he told me, um, he told me he liked my energy. He liked my spirit. Um, he liked that I was smi always smiling and, and had good uh, positive energy. Uh, he, he has a video camera in his office that so he can see the stage at all times. And, um, uh, I danced every rehearsal like it was my last, you know, with that kind of full out feel. And he saw that and he told me about it. And that, um, that was the first validation that I got real, um, validation from my boss that said, okay, so I'm doing something right and you see it and it's not going unnoticed and, um, I'm going to keep it up. So that, that meeting went very well. And then after, you know, being promoted to soloist, I, I could always dance as freely as I wanted to because I had solo roles. And it comes with its setbacks too. I mean, you don't dance as often. Okay. Um, it's easy to get out of shape or yeah. if you're not learning anything to just feel like you're lost and not a part of the company anymore because you have to do your own work. Um, and how, so how did you how did you deal with that um, going from loving being on stage and getting yeah. this great opportunity to be free as an artist, yeah. but finding that you don't have quite as much time to dance on stage? What did you well, uh, What did you me, end up doing? For me, I loved dancing in rehearsals. I would do full out all the time, but actually, show time was hard for me. The actual performance. Sometimes it would be great and I would face all my fears and I would just go for it. Also not thinking of the line, but going for it. Um, most of the time though, I felt um, like I would blow it on stage. Is this the fear that you had before you went yes. on stage? Okay. I think so. I think I struggled with stage fright. I went to therapy for almost a year. So for me, being on stage all the time was very good for me because I could it, it became normal. It normalized it. I could just get used to it. It's like practicing that scary muscle over and over and over. Um, it becomes more common practice and you're just living your day. But as a soloist, I wasn't on stage as much and I started to feel that anxiety creeping back in, that fear of the stage. And then when I was on stage, I had to really um, deliver. <laughs> and... Um, so I felt my anxiety rise a little bit, but also this freedom of not having to look like anybody else. So I don't know. I think they balanced each other in the yeah. end. Um, and, and then I started really connecting with what I, who I wanted to be as an artist instead of just doing things perfectly. Um, and that definitely freed up my performance because then I felt like I could really dance because I was giving something instead of, you know, trying to be something else. Um, I was just being me. And that was fine up until I, I got injured. I had a little injury. So. And did, did that take you off stage for a while? Or? It did. Yeah. I, it was actually right before I got surgery, right before my promotion to principal. So. That must have been tough. Yeah, I was, I was getting into a groove with, being a soloist I was feeling I was learning a lot of new things um, I was starting to rise I felt like my performing 
was getting better. I was getting used to the stage, but I had this horrible pain in my foot. And I knew I had an extra bone in, in there. I knew it was about the size of my thumb, the tip of my thumb. Um, and it would float. So I knew, um, I knew about it and I'd been to see doctors and they said you can dance with it if it's in a good place, but if it moves around, then you know, you, you have to get a lot of therapy and you have to really be on it and watch it. And, um, I was just in this chronic pain that I needed, um, needed to get rid of because I was, I was finding myself dancing recklessly. I wasn't warming up. I wasn't taking class. Was this to, was this to avoid the pain? To avoid the pain. I was doing the bare minimum, mm -hmm. like exactly whatever was, asked of me is what I would do, but I wouldn't do anything extra. And I felt like, um, even what I was asked to do that I was starting to try to do, um, wasn't working in my favor, uh, by dancing was suffering, um, just by avoiding pain. So I talked to my boss and I asked if I could get this surgery and he, I asked him when a good time would be. And he said, I want you to, you know, dance a long time. So as soon as possible, but he wanted me to dance sulfide, la sulfide, mm -hmm. um, which Tough was role. my first real full-length mm -hmm. ballet. And it's all jumping, which is very hard on the foot. So I, I didn't do much else that season. I just focused on that. Um, and I loved it. I, I really loved it. Sorry if you can hear my cat. <laughs> I was actually thinking it was my cat. I was like, no. oh. <laughs> like it stops. Um, <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah, so I had this surgery on my ankle done, and um, after two weeks of being in a boot, my boss promoted me to principal dancer, and that was very confusing. <laughs> um, why was it? Why did you find it confusing? Yeah. Um, I guess I felt like I had done, maybe I had done things in the past that could have warranted a promotion, but getting surgery on my foot and then sitting on the couch for two weeks in elevation, taking pain meds and, you know, just kind of letting myself go didn't feel like a very good time. Not, um, not, not like this quintessential moment that you no. probably had envisaged or similar yeah. to your soloist promotion. Exactly. Different. Like I envisioned getting off stage after dancing something really hard and my boss saying, I'm, I'm so proud of you. That performance was principal worthy. You're principal now or something. Um, but it didn't happen like that. I hobbled in with my boot and it happened very informally. He just said, you're promoted. You're not surprised. And he slapped me on the back <laughs> and, and he left and that was just it. So then I had, um, these five months away from the stage and a lot of it away from work, um, with a new title. And I didn't really know what to do with that, um, right away. <laughs> So I spent a lot of time worrying about getting back on this stage. Coming back, and, yeah. Um, if my foot was going to be okay, but then also, you know, am I principal worthy right now? I don't know. And I had never had a serious injury, so I didn't know how to stay in shape, really. Um, and it was very stressful. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, but I did. I came back in Nutcracker. And... Um, it wasn't wonderful right away, okay. Uh, but I kept working. The pain in my foot didn't go away for a little while either. It took about a year after the surgery to mm. really feel good. Um, and so you, you've been a principal now for about two years, is that right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you say you've had an injury and pain for what, a good year, a year, year and a half of that time. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling now? How's, how's life for great. you? Yeah. That's <laughs> great. I mean, I, I did have another problem with my other foot um, for a little while, um, which ended up being something so small. But even little things, if you, you avoid a little pain, it can turn into a greater pain somewhere else. 
um, and I was compensating badly. So, but yeah, I have, I'm happy to say that both of my feet are doing wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us about um, your favorite roles that you've been dancing uh, as a principal. Um, let's talk about some of the joys and, and that you have um, in, in your life at the moment. Um, joys in my life. So I, well, I love everything that I dance. So it's so hard for, it's hard for me to choose special things that I love, but I, um, I love doing Juliet and Romeo and Juliet. I love pretty much any romantic role. Mm -hmm. Um, any dramatic role I love, like the cage is one of my favorite ballets to dance because it's so, um, it's so crazy. It's so creepy and weird and, and I get to be all of those things I was so afraid of looking stupid and, and so afraid that other people would see like if my face looked weird um, I was always afraid other people would think I looked ugly or stupid or weird I, I just spent a lot of time insecure thinking about other people and what they were thinking <laughs> and ballets like the cage got me out of that um, so I find them these little gems, these little gems of um, freedom where I was forced to kind of go beyond myself and then, um, and then you're not afraid to go back there. So uh, they're huge growths. I love those kinds of things. Um, DGV is a really fun one. Christopher Wielden choreographed that. Um, on you and Royal, I believe. Um, but it has a big lift in it. I do the, the central pas de deux that has the mm -hmm. press lift where he walks the ballerina in and downstage. And I've, I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> oh, goodness. Very afraid of heights. So um, another growth. Another, another Any, fear conquered. Yes. Anytime I'm conquering a fear, I feel really, really good um, afterwards. So I, I've become very addicted to that feeling. And in your, um, these roles, and particularly you're saying you love the dramatics and the theatrical and the character extension. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us, how do you, do you have a particular process that you go through for preparing for each of the roles or mm -hmm. tell us about how that works for you? I would love to get a, a good process. Okay. <laughs> I would love that. I'm not, I'm a very spontaneous person. So it's hard for me to create habits, um, even good ones. Uh, so pre-performance rituals, things like that, I don't, I don't have, which I'm hoping to develop this year. <laughs> it's, it's on the list. Um, but I try to center myself somehow um, by connecting with who I really am and what I want to give out. So if I'm doing role. Um, like Juliet or Aurora, then I try to, I find myself in the character and I'll, I'll get emotionally in a state of something that I know well and personally, and then I can give it to the audience. So I, I stay more in that realm because I'm less nervous over there. Um, if I'm thinking about the actual emotions driving my performance, if I'm thinking about getting a turn or a lift or something technical it it's harder um but it depends on the role it always depends yeah. on the role um some roles it helps me to think of a technical aspect um it, because i know i'm gonna be really flighty or really nervous and i need to not worry about emotions so it just i don't know i really don't know what to say i haven't figured out the key um, for a great performance every time. <laughs> I don't know if it exists. So I wanted to ask you, you sort of mentioned this um, throughout uh, this wonderful discussion. You talk about sort of, you know, looking after your body, looking after your mind and looking after your soul, really. Um, yeah. You know, as I think everyone knows, you know, it's it's very, very difficult and hard career because obviously... You've got to take class every day and you've got to rehearse and you've got to perform and yeah. it's quite difficult. How do you stay motivated, um, particularly through 
you've been through injury and setbacks and here you are at the sort of you know, top of your, your career. How do you make sure you take care of yourself now so that you can keep this wonderful career going even longer? Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. Because I feel like that changes um, depending on the trial or depending on what it is I'm going through. But mostly I have to think about why I dance because that's a big one. There are a lot of reasons not to do it. <laughs> so why do you dance? Um, I dance because I feel like it's almost my, uh, my contribution to the world. It feels almost spiritual to me. It's how I, um, it's how I connect to a higher calling. And I'm not a religious person, but for me, it's almost a, uh, a deeper sort of sensation than just, you know, uh, I don't know, articulating these perfect body movements or steps like it, it's something on a deeper level um, and it's sort of you know steadfast throughout all of the different changes of my life so I believe even if ballet wasn't my career if it wasn't my job anymore I would still go to class because there's something so deep rooted in, in who I am um, and movement is is an expression and for me, I feel like it's my best expression. I, I don't really love speaking that much. I'm getting better <laughs> at it. <laughs> I don't really love it. Um, I don't like being in front of cameras or even audiences, not that much. But there's something about um, the physical expression that that's really just for me. <laughs> well, let's talk about that um, yeah. because I, I'm really interested in your choreographic work. Um, and this new, as you say, this expression of who you are as a person, as an artist. Tell us about how you came to choreography and what, what it really means to you. Well, choreography started as a dare to myself, really. Um, I signed up when I was younger. I was 16 in school at the School of American Ballet, and there was a sign up sheet, and I was in the in a time of my life where I was signing up for everything, um, just to face fears. That was pretty much my, my only aim, was to do things I was scared to do. And I didn't think I would get chosen um, to choreograph, but I ended up getting picked. And then it became a reality. I had to do this thing. I had to make, make a little ballet on, on people, real people. <laughs> and, um, find music and do the whole thing and what did I want to say and um, I didn't know any of those things going in I just did it somehow and I picked um, a Bach piece that I really really found moving and I it, I loved the process um, there were ups and downs in it but I, I felt like it came kind of naturally to me um, because I could just I had never improvised before because you don't do that in ballet. You don't. Um, I've ne I'd never taken an improv class or anything like that. But the feeling of freedom that you get when you have the music and you can dance however it makes you feel. Um, I really, really loved that sensation. So I started choreographing in school, and my boss recognized it as something nice. <laughs> Um, he liked what I did and asked me to make something for the summer program students in 2009 as an apprentice with New York City Ballet. And so it was the first time I got paid to make something and I felt a different kind of pressure with that. I felt like, um, oh, this is a lot more complicated than I thought. There's deadlines and um, it's not just moving freely to music as you feel inspired and <laughs> there are kids involved and um, there, there were a lot more elements to it. And I think that scared me off a little bit. Um, I didn't feel like I had a great amount of talent in that area because I saw other um, choreographers that were 
making more amazing things than I was. So I thought I'll focus on dance. Um, I also so badly wanted to be a ballerina. So I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't even put that challenge in my mind to focus on two things. I didn't go to college. I didn't do anything else. I just wanted to be a ballerina. And um, I, my boss had, had spoken about choreography to me a couple of times um, throughout me being in the core and as a soloist. And I always had the same answer. And that was, I want to be a ballerina or I'm, I'm focusing on dance. Um, so when he promoted me to principal, he finally said, Lauren, you're a principal now. Choreograph. <laughs> no excuses anymore. No excuses. And, um, and I think really it was just fear um, because that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate fear because you're making, in ballet, I can give my own expression through other people's choreography and it's not going to be criticized as much it's going to be maybe they won't like the way i dance it but usually they blame the choreographer um that's <laughs> very rare that they blame the dancer for the problems they say oh the costumes or the lights or the music was poorly chosen or whatever um so it's the choreographer that gets the heat for those things and it's the most exposed you are as an artist because it's your heart out there for everybody to decide if they like or not. Um, and so I wasn't ready for that um, for a long time. And I don't even know even still if I'm ready for that really. Um, but I made my first ballet last year and uh, it was like anything else that I've talked about in this whole interview, it was a total um, rush of both positive and negative things. Um, which I guess anything that's worth doing in life has that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's part of the balance. So I, I had some extreme highs, and then I had a lot of moments where I thought I couldn't do it. And I really learned so much about myself when it comes to being a leader. Um, I don't have a very good poker face <laughs> and uh, people can see through me often. And that's, that's not easy as a creator because you need, um, you're a leader. You need to convince other people that you believe in the project. And sometimes you don't believe in the project. And if your dancers will feel that and then they'll, they'll get insecure and say, Oh, I'm not a part of something great anymore. So it's your job to keep yourself motivated, yourself inspired. Um, and your dancers, and your musicians, and the lights, and the everything else. So it was exciting for me because I've been reading leadership books my whole life. Have you? Um, I have. Um, I think because of my dad. <laughs> oh, because I was going to ask you um, why you <gasps> had been dad. reading leadership. Yeah, tell us, tell us about that. Like, what, what is your dad? My dad, my dad's an entrepreneur, so he he started a lot of businesses growing up. And uh, I just got used to it. I was my dad. I was daddy's girl. So I, um, I was always in the room. He was bouncing ideas off of me since I can remember. And it was my favorite thing. I loved the respect that I felt. Um, my dad always made me feel like my opinions mattered and they were important. And I loved if I came up with a good idea or if I came up with a solution to a problem, it just felt really good um to be the contribution or the help and, and, part, um, and, and perhaps part of that creative process again and maybe that's why it's sort of oh, the I choreography draws you in because it's this creation that you get to, it is to go through again yeah i love making things i've always loved making things um and it started with my dad we would even we cooked together also so i was his sous chef in the kitchen so it was um my dad coming up with some idea and then I would offer something or, you know, I always knew what he needed and I loved assisting in the process. And then when I moved away from home, I started um, doing stuff like that on my own or cooking for myself, um, making things, sketching. Um, I do so many crafts. It's crazy. <laughs> I, just, I just like doing things with my hands and I like um, being directly involved in something new being made. and 
you're right. That is um, one of the things that draw me into choreography. And then one of the things that deter me from it is the critics and the, um, the fear of putting myself out there. All of my, um, the other half of me that is always struggling with anxiety and fear, there's, there's both sides. And sometimes the creative Lauren wins and sometimes the anxious Lauren wins. Um, well, that one I'm, thing yeah, that I'm, feels I'm, wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that the um, the creative Lauren is winning. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, how has it been creating works on colleagues? Um, how, how did you find that? And I'm sure your leadership books, which are always great to read, have been helpful. Yeah. I feel like it's a beautiful thing to create things on your colleagues because you see them the way nobody else can. Um, but it's also very difficult because if you're working with people that know you in a certain way, it's hard to be um, their boss. Like the power shifts a little bit in the studio. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. I'm realizing that I need to work with um, and good energies more than talent for me personally, um, because I'm very sensitive to how people feel and I'm empathetic, and so if I'm sensitive to somebody else's energy in a negative way, it affects me negatively, and then I can't create the same, um, or I have trouble. So I like to use dancers that I don't feel are utilized or seen, um, that I feel like can do greater things than they're given, or dancers that haven't had a shot in a while, or maybe blew their one shot. Um, there's like a great amount of fulfillment that I get in that personally. Um, and then they're usually excited to be there, which creates a positive energy in the room, which helps me out. Um, but I've also worked with colleagues that are, you know, that are older than me and it's a little bit harder because they've, they have more experience. I was the young kid coming in through the company with the quick rise and who are you to tell me what to do? So you get all types. Um, and if I, I don't have a good experience working with a dancer, then I, I have the ability to not use them again. I don't have to use them again. Um, and I like to keep it positive if I can. I don't create too many problems. I'll just mentally on the inside go, okay, well, this wasn't as positive of an experience as I wanted it to be. Moving on <laughs> to the next dancer. And, um, I mean, I work with some of the greatest dancers in the world, so yeah. I feel very lucky in that sense. I have a bunch of dancers around me who can do anything. Um, and your work. they freeing. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, because as you say, you do have this incredible um, bunch of dancers around you. And yeah. through your work, is it, do you have it? I mean, you're only sort of quite young and you're getting started in your uh -huh. choreographic journey. But even at this stage, do you feel like you have something specific that you want to say or mm. um, or sort of what's your creative process? And I, I know it might be too early, but how do you find that your choreographic language is beginning to form if, if you mm. feel that it is? Yeah, I don't, I don't want um, a voice yet. I don't think because I'm in I'm in exploratory mode. Um, I I love I, I love using different music and trying to see how that makes me move differently. I don't have a vocabulary that's unique to me, and I don't know if I want one. I don't want people to look at something and say, "Oh, that's Lauren Lovett's work." I'd rather them just enjoy the show, <laughs> whatever it is, have it change up and then look and see if they liked it and say, oh, it's smart. I don't want it to be directly recognized. Okay. And maybe that's not a good thing. Um, but it's your thing. It, it's my thing. It keeps me interested. So I, um, last fall, mostly I just wanted to make something that was more um, classically based because I'd, I'd been in the company for a good amount of time, seven years, and I don't know, it, I saw the same kind of ballet being made over and over again um, with dark lighting. And yeah, I just, I have a lot of friends that support the ballet. They all would say, we miss real music with the melody 
and we miss the orchestra being used to their fullest and we miss um, the costumes not getting in the way and we miss um, being able to see it because a lot of our audience members are older and they can't see as well and if you have a dark ballet it's it's very difficult for them so I I mostly just took the information that people were giving me um, and I felt very similarly as well that I missed um, beautiful classical music um, and clean costumes and just ballet. I just missed ballet. And so I decided I wanted to make a ballet. <laughs> I wanted to make um, a ballet to Schumann. And, um, and I love it. I love that ballet for Clara. I named it after Clara Schumann and I had fun researching all about her and, her and Schumann's life and it was I found that so moving and uh, I found a lot of personal elements that connected in my life and it's do you want to, do you want to give us a, a quick synopsis um, for those Clara. people who may not know the story mm. yes yeah, so um, Clara and and Robert they met when they were very young um, Clara was especially young and under her father's um, sort of control at the time she was a very um, prominent pianist in Germany and this great um, prodigy, uh, this amazing talent and, and was well known. And her father was sort of um, driving her in that sense, but she fell in love with Robert Schumann and Schumann wasn't um, well known. I, he was, he was starting up, but he was, he had a lot of failures as a, um, as a musician, he wasn't as strong, but he was really in the composing side of things. And she really believed in him and just, uh, you know, fell, fell madly in love with him. So they really fought to be together for years. They were kept apart and see each other only once, maybe not even that a year. And they fought the courts. And then one day before um, the battle of the courts won, they won and their love prevailed. Um, she could have, waited one day and then had her own free choice just by being of age. Um, but it didn't matter because it was the principle of it. And they had this incredible life. They had eight kids and she gave up a lot of her own um, ambitions and dreams for him. They had very thin walls. And so in order for Schumann to be able to compose the works that he did, she had to stop playing music. And it's a sad story because yeah, it doesn't it end well. Um, yeah. He he went mad. He went crazy and um, with a mental illness. And she took care of eight kids alone as a woman. Um, and she she did it as a performer. She played music and she played a lot of his music and she made his music great. And I think. I don't know. I was moved by the story. Um, it's very I was moving moved by story. Schumann's mind. His mm. mind was um, interesting to me. It was complex. Like he doesn't um, he doesn't keep one mood in most of his music. Um, it's it'll be going one way, and it's so pleasant and beautiful and utopian, and then he goes all the way into some dark <laughs> valley. And I think a lot of us feel that. Um, as humans where we have two sides of us and and his was just more prevalent for people to see and it made beautiful art and he made this piece the piece I chose was the last thing he made for Clara um, the last really good thing <laughs> that he made really um, before he died and it's not a very well-known piece and, and there are a lot of musicians out there scholars that would say it's not his best work um, I don't know that much about music, <laughs> but I know I was moved by it just without even knowing the story, just listening to it on Spotify. So if I can feel that listening to it on Spotify and then learning what it's all about, um, I think other people would be moved by it too. And Clara really pushed for this piece of music to be um, edited and, um, and shared. She really wanted it to be known and Brahms helped her with that and even still it, it never really took off as much as some of his other works did and 
So I named my ballet for Clara because I wanted it to be, it's a gift to her. The music was a gift to her, but it's also um, because I know she wanted it to be known so badly and it never really did in her lifetime. So that's why I did it. But, um, I love that. I love that you call it for Clara because yeah. not only, as you say, it was a gift from him to her, but it almost yeah. sounds like the work that you've created is almost a gift to her as well in telling her story as it much was. as telling his story. Yeah, it was. I really like that. And, um, and I showcased two different um, two different relationships in, within the ballet. There's one um, that's very, what's the word? It's pleasant. It's um, pre not predictable, but it's very... Um, Traditional? It's yeah, it's it's flirt it's flirtatious a little bit. It's young, it's youthful, um, and it's full of discovery. That padada, it's very um, playful and fun, and 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 sort of a, a different kind of love. And then there's this other relationship that's very um, turbulent. The music gets very dark, and I, I know it's the dark part of Schumann's mind that comes out there. The whole ballet just changes um seven minutes in and that pot of deux, I wanted to show um a couple that stays together that um that is fighting to make it work I guess and and it must have been what they felt um often with his mind being as as insane as it was and him actually putting himself in an insane asylum so it was very interesting. Quite tried, a, it's quite a tragic story, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The ballet ends um, with one woman standing. Um, and I wanted it to, it starts with a man and it ends with a woman. And I wanted it to be um, just a freedom. Uh, Clara, and at the end, did it on her own. And there's one character that never has a partner the whole time. And they're, observing things and they're they're sort of this frosting on top of this whole story <laughs> this whole cake um then yeah so it's it's not a long ballet it's like 15 minutes but <laughs> a lot happens um maybe too much uh i did it was like years of pent up um not making anything and i think i tried to put it all on one canvas and it was just <laughs> the critics were like no, <laughs> not good enough. Um, but well, you know, you're you're just getting started. Yeah, um, you know, you're you're still very young. Exactly, um, you've got a long way to go in your choreographic journey. Yes. So I did want to ask you though, um, you know, as a female dancer, and particularly hearing this, you know, true love story, but quite a tragic story. Yeah. At being a female dancer, do you think that that has affected or? informed in a specific way your approach to choreography or, or the choreography that you ultimately presented? Mm. I don't know if um, being a female gives me a different perspective. I don't know. I mean, it's my perspective and I'm a female, so it must. Mm. But I feel like, at least in most cases, there are two sides to everything. So we're really looking at the same things as humans. So there is no difference. Um, we have all of the same um, hardships and, and trials, the same um, suffering and love and out of love and, and with other things in life, family and um, friends, death. I mean, it's all, it's human. Um, it's not gender specific. I think what, the challenges that come with doing it as a woman come from a technical view, I think, less from an emotional view, more from a technical view. Like, what, do, what do you mean by um, technical? Like um, partnering would oh, be okay. one. Um, and I know a lot of my male friends that choreograph have a hard time with point shoes. So it's, um, it's more of a matter of uh, how you're educated and what you know is what you can those are your materials, those are your tools that you can use, and then you create the story from there, what you want to say from there. And that's a human element, human condition. So if you're a person that's been through a lot of things, you're going to have more to say. Um, 
not necessarily because you're a man or a woman. Yeah. So I think I have some um, advantages when it comes to point work and, and female dancing and what feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have um, holes in my training too, where I, I haven't partnered at all. I don't know how that works. Um, so I'm learning. Um, I'm learning what the man does behind the woman and, and how strong women can be and how they can do that as well. Um, the, I just made a ballet for um, the Vail International Dance Festival. Yes, how was that? Not really a ballet, more like a, a dance piece, more okay. like a. I guess just a work. Yeah. Um, I use spoken word poetry um, and a Brooklyn-based violinist. Um, and it was a very collaborative experience. It was, it was cool. I started with words, uh, words that I really wanted to be said. Um, but sort of a poem about our, us being a universal species and, and how we can affect the lives around us and how important that is. And then there's another poem about love um but not love between a man and a woman but but between a woman and a woman and i feel like that never gets shown in ballet yeah um and i really wanted it to be um, real and authentic to that um so because that's what the poet is speaking on she's speaking about another woman not a man so i wanted to show that for real um that was one element and then there's a whole piece on anxiety and um, and how important it is to not let it rule you and how the whole point of life is trying to get um, your elbow if it touches another person to stay and um, just sort of how important others are in life. So that, that's a whole segment. And then the last one is about um, uplifting each other, I guess, um, being a part in somebody else's greatness uh, self-esteem and and how you can charge the people around you and make them feel big and how they can conquer anything if you do that and the whole piece was called angels of the get through which i just love that title um so yeah so i had i had my message and i had my outline and then i got an amazing composer caroline shaw um to she wrote a piece and and we put it in and it wasn't long enough. And so then there were certain sections that were improvised by the violinist based off of what he felt from the words being said. So that was exciting in itself too, because hearing the poet speak and then the violinist play based off of the words was special. And then the dancing was as well. And I used a lot of, um, partnering because we only had women involved that's all I got so (laughs) I I wanted there to be lifts and I wanted there to be turns and I wanted there to be um dancing moments like real real ballet um and I also wanted to to explore my contemporary side um with floor work and moving in a different way that's not point shoes I put it on flat um so I don't know. I just like to challenge myself in all of the areas just to it's see really, what comes out. It's really interesting that the piece that you're talking about that you created for Vale mm-hmm. is almost a complete summary of the discussion that we've had today and the topics that we've yeah. covered off, actually. <laughs> um, as you were talking about that, I was like, well, that's... But I think that is perhaps because, as you say, it comes from within you and yeah, what we've does. discussed comes from within you and your choreography comes from within you. Yeah, it does. And you've presented this and I think that's just beautiful. Thank you. It's, yeah, it sounds absolutely incredible. Um, I wanted to ask um, before we finish, mm-hmm. one of my favourite questions um, of artists is thinking about... Um, your, your journey that you have been through and others who would be aspiring to have your incredible career, what advice would you give to other dancers uh, who perhaps look up to you and think that is exactly what I would want? Mm. You have to have the tenacity to never give up 
but you also have to work harder than anybody else. <laughs> so I, it's not, um, it's not about comparing yourself to other people. It's such a personal journey. Um, you can always go further and harder than you think that you can do always. Um, but then you have to balance that with um, who you are as a person as well. So I feel like, at least for me, who I was as a person came first. And then as much work ethic as I could possibly instill in myself came second. Other people are almost last <laughs> when it comes to comparing and contrasting that. And in the middle, you just have, you have to not give up. You have to have that, um, that deep understanding that everything's going to be okay, no matter what, that you're going to get through it. So if you can have that, if you can have that, that anchor that says, no matter what happens to me, I know I'm going to get through it, then you can have really challenging roles. You can fall on stage. You can... Um, have injury and um, and surgeries happen. You can get really sick and and better again. You can you can go through almost anything, um, and then you grow as an artist if you if you can learn how to how to turn all of those things into something productive that you can give away. Other people come at the end, and it comes at the after all of the the hardship and the personal discovery and all of that. And then at the very end, it's an offering. It's not a taking. And um, I feel like with that, you can be successful at most anything um, you decide to do. If it, if it is ballet, then it's going to be especially hard because you have to keep your head on your shoulders. You can't, um, you can't get lost in the drama. You can't get lost in uh, the competition. You can't get lost in, one bad show or the perfectionism of everything. Um, and then you can't lose your soul. You can't lose who you are. You can't lose um, being a person or else nobody's going to relate to you on stage. So if you can have all of those things, I think, I think you could be successful. <laughs> that is absolutely wonderful advice. Um, thank you so much for all of your, your time. Thank you. And sharing this wonderful journey with us. Um, I'm excited to see your work um, as you grow and uh, I hope to come and see you when I'm in New York, which would be yes, absolutely lovely. Come. Yeah, most definitely. Here we are in London for the very first time, there's sunshine. I was like, wow, it's sunny there. Honestly, it's like, we've had the worst <laughs> summer and here I am. I thought I'll keep the blinds open and I can barely see. So, so yeah, hopefully it'll come out. But thank you so much for your time. And I just thank want you. to say to everyone um, listening, you can follow Lauren on her socials and definitely check out her Instagram, which is absolutely beautiful. And to find out when she's performing next, uh, either on stage or having her work performed, you can check out um, with her, but also with the New York City Ballet website. Thanks so much. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.